fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Mass and All Access podcast from the safety of my own home in Washington, D.C. I am Bobby Blanco, soon to be joined by Amy Jennings. We thank you so much for tuning in on this Tuesday afternoon, January 19th, 2021. A new day in our, our country and our world starting tomorrow. But for right now, some sports and baseball to talk to. If you're tuning in live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, we really appreciate you joining the conversation. Be sure to comment along Throughout the show, we have lots to talk about in this episode, and um, as we get set to set up this episode, let us bring in Amy Jennings, uh, who is now joining me via Zoom from the safety of her own home, um, And we, as we are fully remote during these pandemic times. Amy, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? It's been not that long since we last talked, and we picked a good time to, uh, to schedule this podcast as we have some news to talk about. I know, Bobby. I was going to say, I feel like I just talked to you. Um, I guess it's only been like, what, four or five days, but I'm really happy that we finally timed this right, right? We always talk about how the Nationals make moves and they don't they don't consult with us, right? They don't plan with us. Uh, but this week we hit it right and we have a lot of exciting news to talk about that's happened over the last week and last night specifically, Bobby. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just last week we were kind of poking fun at the fact that um, we always seem to be like right before news breaks. Like every time we come off the air, uh, something breaks later that day or perhaps the following day. But I'll give us credit. Uh, we've always pr- planned on doing this podcast on today, on Tuesday. Um, and so it sounds like the baseball gods or maybe even John Lester himself kind of figured that we were <laughs> planning on. The, and we were even talking last night, texting back and forth. Planning out the episode, hadn't had really locked down a, a, a strong uh, rundown for the show, and then lo and behold, the news breaks that John Lester is signing with the Nationals on a one-year deal. Let's get right into it, Amy. Of course, it just came down not even twelve hours, uh, you know, not even twenty-four hours ago, that the former Cub and three-time World Series champion left-hander John Lester will be joining the Washington Nationals on a one-year deal. Amy, what was your initial reaction when you saw the news? Well, Bobby, you and I haven't talked a whole lot about options in that number four starter role, Um, but I will say it was kind of predictable, right? I mean, it was predictable. This is the type of player we thought would slot into that number four role, and I think it's a really, really good fit. For, for the Nationals, it's a veteran guy looking for a bounce back season that has history with Davey and Jim Hickey. You're seeing a lot of um, a lot of funny comments and posts about them being the Washington Cubs. And it's really shaking out that way. You know, Davey Martinez got that extension and he's building the team he wants with guys with guys he's comfortable with. So we knew it would be silly and um, silly that if they would go after a free agent on the top of the market, um, it wouldn't make sense the position that they're in right now. Um, to pay a guy a lot of money and long term because they need to win now. And this is a veteran guy with lots of talent. And if he can perform the best he can, he can in his age 37 season, um, you know, be reliable, which we know he can. This is a really good fit for the Nationals, Bobby. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And you mentioned uh, another Cub coming over to the Nationals. 
I mean, I, I, I don't know how long, how much you've been following along with the offseason that's been for the Washington football team, but of course, everyone's making fun of them becoming the Carolina Panthers of the North or the Washington Panthers with, of course, Ron Rivera possibly bringing in a former Panthers GM. When do we start making the Washington Cubs jokes? I mean, the list of Cubs, former Cubs player and personnel currently on the Nationals roster is, is not nothing you know it is something uh davey martinez of course the manager former bench coach jim hickey former pitching coach who also was john lester's pitching coach like you said in chicago henry blanco the bullpen coach was a special assistant with the cubs for a couple of years and then on the player side kyle schwarber obviously now john lester and then people forget starling castro started his career with the cubs and crossed over for one season with davey martinez in chicago so it's it's a substantial list of former players and personnel who were with the chicago cubs now with DC um, and Amy, it kind of makes sense, right? Because you look over what's going on in Chicago. The Cubs are kind of going through a cleaning out and rebuilding phase. Of course, Theo Epstein left, taking a position in the front office of Major League Baseball, being a, a special um, advisor to the commissioner, hopefully trying to make the game a little more fun and appealing to younger fans. Um, and the new kind of regime, who of course elevated up from Theo Epstein's previous regime, but they're kind of looking to kind of restart from scratch. And you know, we know Chris Bryant has been the talk of a lot of trade rumors. Uh, Kyle Schwarber was DFA'd, uh, or or non-tendered uh, at the beginning of the offseason. Now John Lester's uh, $25 million option was declined. And, and here he comes coming over to uh, DC, coming to DC from the north side of Chicago. So it's kind of interesting to see how Davey Martinez is maybe picking off the scraps uh, as the Cubs clean house. And, and we'll be interested to see how, what other players maybe that are the Cubs kind of cast off as they rebuild this fray or go through this rebuilding fray, uh, phase. Uh, and, and maybe the Nationals can pick some other pieces up. And it especially makes sense with with um, a guy um, like John Lester because he's a veteran and he's coming off of the worst season of his career, um, which a lot of guys are in 2020 looking to have these bounce back seasons. So uh, Davey Martinez, Jim Hickey are two guys that know what he's capable of, have seen him, have worked with him. Um, and those types of guys are a lot more um, able to give them an opportunity because he knows what he's capable of. And you'll probably see that with a lot of veterans across the league. They're going to land homes where people know them, where people know their ability. Um, and I think that plays a big part into this, too. Um, Bobby. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who are following along as we are live on our Facebook and YouTube page, be sure to comment with your thoughts um, on the signing of John Lester coming over. Uh, we know that uh, Paul Mancano and Mass on All Access did a quick reaction video last night on all our social media channels. So if you weren't able to catch that, here's your chance right now to kind of comment along and provide your thoughts uh, on the John Lester signing. Let's get into Lester, though. What are the Nationals getting out of this? Like you mentioned, veteran lefty reliever. He's another left-handed pitcher. I mean, I can't think of the last time the Nationals rotation, Amy, had two left-handers. You probably have to go to early Gio Gonzalez days to find a starting five that had, had two left-handers in this Nationals rotation. But, you know, also you're kind of getting a four-headed monster here. This kind of reminds me of the 2015 offseason when the Nationals brought in Max Scherzer. And you had Scherzer, Strasburg, Jordan Zimmerman. Doug Fister and uh, Gio Gonzalez as your top five, as your starting five. And, of course, Bryce Harper with the infamous where's my ring comment. Uh, and now you're looking at this rotation. You've got guys who have won World Series. John Lester has won three, two with the Red Sox, one with the Cubs. Uh, a powerful lefty, a veteran guy who has went 
comfortable coaches. Um, this is going to be one of the most formidable rotations in all of baseball that we're going to see next year. And it also adds up to going toe to toe with, you know, teams like the Cubs. We've already talked about how the NFC or the NFC, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm still in football mode. The national league East, uh, are, are, is going to be the team or the league to beat this year. You got the Braves who were a game away from the World Series. The Mets are revamping uh, with an, under a new ownership group and aren't afraid to spend money. The Phillies are looking to finally break their playoff drought and get into the postseason. The Marlins aren't going to be pushovers this year. So the Nationals are sticking by their guns and signing a veteran left-handed pitcher who makes their rotation the strong part of their roster. And that's what Mike Rizzo has done time and time again here in D.C. Right. I mean, between those top four guys, you have 17 all-star appearances. And what stands out to me is that it's going to be such a gutsy, um, gutsy experienced rotation now um, because the Nationals aren't an analytics first organization. And these guys are all veterans pretty much at this point. They're going to get a, a, a much longer leash. I don't think if they're lights out and they pitch through the rotation two times, uh, Max Scherzer is going to give up the ball or John Lester is going to give up the ball. Um, and maybe at first glance, you worry a little bit about how John Lester might fit in. Um, Max Scherzer, you know how how animated he is and such a strong leader, um, the ace of that rotation. But then you look back and um, just like when he came to the Nationals, Gio Gonzalez, that rotation was really talented. Or you look back in his time in Detroit with Justin Ver- Verlander, Rick Porcello, um, David Price came in there. I mean, that was a really strong rotation, and it worked out. Um, so I, I, you don't think I don't think you have to worry about that. This is a, a really gutsy rotation, and I think it's going to make for some really fun baseball um, over over the next season. And you do you look back at his 2020 numbers? I mean, not great. His ERA was over five in his 12 starts, worst worst uh, season of his career. Even in 2019, he gave up a career high t- um, 205 hits in his 31 starts. But it's not. I mean, 2020, we talk about it. It, it is what it is. Um, we know it was going to be a really tough year, especially for pitchers, especially for veteran pitchers. I mean, it, 2020 was set up kind of for them to struggle and everybody's numbers were down. I mean, pretty much everybody on the Nationals rotation um, numbers were down in 2020. So you take it with a grain of salt. And uh, you, you remember that he's 37 and he's a veteran and he has three World uh, Series championships under his belt. So he knows how to adapt. The best pitchers in the game can adapt as they get later in their career. So I don't think you have to worry too much about it. I mean, he's steadily declined since 2016 when he's got his last World Series win. But that's what you're going to see in a veteran um, experienced pitcher. And as long as he can adapt and most importantly, be reliable, which is all you want out of your number four starter. I mean, this isn't a guy who has injury history. Um, so you're looking for a guy who makes his start every five days, doesn't doesn't get hurt and can eat up, uh, uh, eat up critical innings uh, for your team, that's all you could ask. And I think that's what we're going to see out of John Lester if this season goes according to plan. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the durability. I mean, this is something that a lot of writers have pointed out and people who cover the team in baseball when the signing came down, our Mark Zuckerman included, you know, he has made – his starts. He goes every. He takes the ball every fifth day for a large portion of his career. Even in the later parts, you know, as he's getting older, he just turned thirty-seven, so he's kind of on the you know closer to forty than he is thirty. And so, you know, you expect some of those guys to maybe lose some of that strength, some of that durability, but not with John Lester. He's made over four hundred twenty starts in his career. Uh, he has a close to a three-to-one strikeout ratio over his career. He's got almost twenty-four hundred strikeouts. He's got an ERA over uh, at three sixty. 
for his career. He's almost won over. He's almost won 200 games by himself uh, in his career. So this is a guy that knows how to get it done at the major league level and has proven to be durable. Uh, he made at least 31 starts and totaled at least 171 innings in each of the, uh, every season from 2008 to 2019. So before the shortened season, and if you extrapolate his numbers in terms of innings and starts made from 2020 over a full 162 game season. Uh, he made 32 starts and pitched over 165 innings. So uh, he's getting durable. This is the kind of guy that you we, we talked about, you know, and like you mentioned also earlier, Amy, we have not touched on the rotation in depth too much this offseason and how the Nationals were going to need to add that fourth starter. And here we go. John Lester is that fourth starter. And like we, we mentioned kind of offhandedly, we've also talked about talked about this with Joe, uh, Joe Ross and Eric Fetty, Austin Voth. Just don't be the reason the Nationals lose the game. Give them mm-hmm. a chance. And I think with John Lester, what you're getting is someone who's going to get the ball every day. You mentioned that he's going to have to kind of reinvent himself, something he's already done with Jim Hickey in Chicago. So Jim and Davey Martinez obviously know him well um, and are maybe able to work with him and kind of reinvent himself. We saw Steven Strasburg, who was a little younger, already have to do that. You know, Lester's fastball isn't going to top probably – in the low nineties anymore, but you know, he could be crafty and he can be that kind of crafty left-hander that is going to get outs in an unconventional way or a way we're not used to seeing him get to like a five-time all-star four-time finalist for the Cy Young award, a runner up to Max Scherzer in 2016. Uh, You know, this guy can get it done. He can get outs. He can get you solid innings, Um, especially with the history of this rotation, right? Amy, especially recently, you know, Max Scherzer missed a good portion of 2019. Steven Strasburg only pitched five innings in 2020. And we know his injury history, right? The, The ability to, for John Lester to be available for Dave Martinez is probably the biggest selling point for him at this point. And, and and we'll figure out the other stuff later, right? As long as you can trust him to take the mound every fifth day. And John Lester as your fourth starter is unbelievable in and of <laughs> itself. You know, if I were to tell you that he was your fourth starter, you're going to say who is the top three. And then of course you got names like Corbin Strasburg and Scherzer. Two of those guys are making over $200 million. Uh, so, you know, it, it does add up well. And, and when you look at the financials also, Amy, you're getting a guy who, you know, a $25 million buyout was declined. The Nationals declined Anibal Sanchez's uh, option as well for this season. And now he's only going to make $5 million, $2 million reportedly in 2021 alone. And the other $3 million deferred for two years, not until 2023. So the Nationals, with that deferred money, getting crafty again, not keeping too much on the books, but still paying him a solid amount, he's only going to make half of what uh, his buyout from Chicago was. And then you think about John Lester yourself. You know, if he ends up pitching the full year for one season, he's going to make fifteen million dollars. So that ends up pretty well from both sides, I think. Well, he, it, that's that's exactly right. And the two things I want to touch on from that is the one. One thing is, you know, it's low risk. It's one year. If he's terrible, then you don't lose a whole lot. But if he's great and he adapts, then you gain a whole lot. It's kind of like Anibal Sanchez, what he gave him, them, the, this team in 2019. And I imagine they expect even more um, out of John Lester. And like you mentioned, the relationship with Hickey. He's worked with him before. Um, Hickey's a guy who loves loves um, the changeup. And John Lester, getting later in his career, 37, you might see him uh, throw that a whole lot more. He only has thrown it 13% of the time in his career. He relies a lot on the cutter. Uh, you might see him throw that a little bit less or, th- less or throw it not as hard and work the changeup more into his repertoire. Um, it'll be interesting to see see how he adapts. And hopefully you get the most, uh, most that you can. 
But just like you said, you hope he makes that start every five days. And that's what you, that's what you need him to do. And that's all you can really expect out of a guy at this point in his career. And you're getting the talent. I mean, to say, just like you said, that he's your number four starter is really great, no matter at what point he is in his career. Yeah, and we've got to give credit where credit is due. Our own Mark Zuckerman has been kind of calling this over the past month or so. I believe it was on our winter, one of our winter meetings shows back in mid-December where he mentioned John Lester, I think even just a couple of weeks ago as early, he mentioned John Lester again as a possible possibility. And look, we have not, like we said, have not delved, dived too deep in the possible free agent market for starting pitchers and where the Nationals could fill that fourth starter yet, just because other things have happened, right? We've gotten the Schwarber signing, the Josh Bell trade, and we've gotten kind of the the position players to fill out. We're still looking for a catcher, possibly a third baseman. So other things have happened, and we haven't really quite got to the rotation. And we've also mentioned that maybe the rotation isn't the top priority for this team this offseason. And they took care of their other priorities. They got their first baseman. They got a corner outfielder. Now is the time to address the rotation, and they got John Lester. I I think we would have gotten to Lester's name eventually had we gone down uh, that exercise and looking at the free agent market for starters. But, you know, the fact that they landed him and this early is pretty impressive and good work by Mike Rizzo to jump on him soon. Um, and the more and more you break down the numbers and the connections, the more and more it just kind of makes sense uh, for Lester to land in D.C. for one year. It was reported earlier on uh, that this deal included an option, uh, now saying that there is no op- mutual option for 2022. So it is just a straight one-year deal. You hope that John Lester has enough in the tank uh, to give you a solid Anything that resembled, you know, average for him over his career, I think the Nationals will take in that number four spot, and assuming that you get Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin back to their normal selves. This is, could be a, 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 a very, very good thing in terms of the rotation, or it could blow up in their faces. And, you know, as with any signing, Amy, there's risks involved. Um, I, I think that more likely than not, you're going to get on the be on the plus side of this signing, and that John Lester is going to be more of an addition than a subtraction. Uh, and especially, you mentioned earlier his his 2020 stats. You know they're not great. The 12 games, of course, you'll take that. Uh, making his starts uh, in a shortened season, the three and three record, uh, ERA over five, 42 strikeouts, a WHIP of 1.328. Um, you know, nothing too flashy there, but when you look deeper at it, and I think Mark Zuckerman pointed this out in one of his articles on massinsports.com, it, it he let he gave up only one run or less in half of his outings. So half of his starts were really, really great. The other half were not so great. And, you know, if you kind of get that mixed bag from John Lester in 2021, I think the Nationals would take that. Um, assuming that especially over a 162-game season, maybe making close to 30 starts as opposed to just 12, you're getting more good than bad. Um, um, and, and again, like we said, the fact that that's your fourth starter makes this kind of a four-headed monster at the top of the rotation. And just like you said, anytime you sign somebody, it's a risk. Anytime you sign a veteran, it's even more risk. Anytime you sign a veteran pitcher, it's e- a- yeah. an even bigger risk. We talked that we talked about it when we were talking about Max Scherzer's walk year. Um, do you do you sign him? You obviously don't sign him to a big deal. Do you sign him to a short contract because the talent is there? Um, but it's just that arm has a lot of miles on it. And you can say the same thing about John Lester. The talent is there. The the arm just has a lot of miles on it. So it could be a risk. It could blow up in their face, of course. Um, But I think they could end up very likely on on the right side 
um, of this signing, Bobby. Yeah, definitely. And also just to add to his already impressive resume, if you're wondering, you know, how long, I mean, he's going to be entering his, I believe, 17th season in the major league, 16th rather. Uh, uh, he's spent time, of course, with the Red Sox, Athletics, and Cubs. But among active pitchers, starting pitchers, he ranks ninth uh, overall in terms of war, which is a pretty impressive feat. Uh, and, and and for those wondering, Max Scherzer is is fourth, and Steven Strasburg is fifteen. That's according to Baseball Reference. So the guy produces wins, you know. And 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 like I said, he's uh, over four hundred twenty starts, almost two hundred wins over his career. His postseason uh, resume is just as impressive. He's nine and seven with an ERA at two fifty one in twenty six games. Um, uh, we know a three time World Series champion. He's been on the big stage, and that's where the Nationals are trying to get to. Amy, I think this signing more than anything also signifies that the Nationals are going for it again in 2021 we kind of talked about uh during the 2020 season how not giving a pass but kind of having more understanding of why the nationals kind of struggled through the 2020 season with the shutdown and the long 2019 season that cultivated in a, a world championship but now we're kind of rebuilding for a 2021 season not rebuilding in the traditional sense of you're breaking everything down right mm-hmm. but we're kind of restocking reloading and refocusing on 2021 expecting a more normal season this year going for that World Series championship. And if this ends up, uh, you know, in their second World Championship in three years, I I think Mike Rizzo has done a masterful job in in building this roster. And, you know, even if the Nationals just get back to the postseason, I think it's a success. And and we'll see where John Lester's numbers look like near the end of the season. But this is a guy, we know Mike Rizzo uh, values starting pitching above all. He builds his franchise. He builds his farm system around uh, that position and, and, and values the, what they can bring uh, to the table and to a team. And, and with John Lester's regular season resume and postseason resume and postseason hardware, he was the 2016 NLCS MVP. You know, you look like a guy. You don't want to see John Lester on the mound in October if you're an opposing batter, I feel like, because, mm-hmm. you know, they've been there, done that, and, and I would trust them that they'll be able to do it again. Right. I mean, I think that just speaks to the point that Davey Martinez is building a reliable, gutsy rotation. These are veteran guys with a lot of experience in the postseason and guys that he can he can count on um, when the moment matters. And just like you were saying, these filling in these holes with these types of guys are kind of saying that Rizzo wants wants to win now. I think he recognizes that his window is potentially closing and they want to win now. And that kind of brings us into the other news of the week is that the top 100 prospect list came out and the Nationals were the only team without a single guy on that list. Um, So I think that speaks to that. They just came off of a World Series win in 2019 and they're going after another and they need to win now. And they're not at the point where their farm system is as um, as full, well-developed with talent as it once was, Bobby. Yeah, and and that's that's and it's it is unfortunate. We know we talked about this too, and this has been brought up multiple times throughout the system. And I think you know we w- might want to see maybe more fans talking about this a little more or, or understanding the gravity of this. Is that the Nationals again were the 30th ranked farm system at the end of the year? They didn't end the season with any top 100 prospects. They're not starting this season. At least that was. Per MLB Pipeline, this is according to Baseball America that the Nationals don't have any top 100 prospects. Um, Carter Keebum and Luis Garcia pretty much graduated into full-time major leaguers, so they're not going to be on there. And you look at the Nationals' top five prospects according to MLB Pipeline, so we're kind of um, combining two rankings and two sources here. But you know, the top five are all right-handed starting pitchers: Jackson Rutledge, Kate Cavalli, Cole Henry, 
Andrea Lara, and uh, Mason Dunnerberg. And of those five, Cavalli is the oldest at 22, and he's the newest. You know, he was just drafted this October. Uh, sorry, this summer. Um, and and their earliest projection to join the major league roster isn't until 2022. So they're a year away. So that part kind of makes sense that they don't have a top 100, especially when you graduate a talent like Kiboom and Garcia. But you know, you would like to have one. <laughs> in the top 100. I think we got 100 prospects and there's only 30 teams. You would figure that each team has at least one representative, but the Nationals not having one. Maybe a draw cons- uh, a cost for concern. It also might not be nothing. You know, maybe Mike Rizzo is looking at, look, we're focusing on the Major League roster for 2021. We like where our system is right now. That'll rebuild over the course of the next year. When we hit 2022, we'll, see, we'll start seeing some guys making real progress and we'll jump up those rankings. Well, the good news is they're filling their farm system with pitchers at this point, right? We know they're drafting and developing pitchers. All of their top prospects are pitchers. And it doesn't necessarily, some of the best pitchers at the big league level weren't top prospects. Um, so I don't think it's as big of an area of concern, especially considering um, the, the, the position that a lot of their farm system plays. But also on top of that, just like you mentioned, they're not rebuilding right now. Um, I think people in the Orioles organization, a lot of eyes are on this top prospect list. Other other organizations that are rebuilding are worried about their farm system right now. But right now, it appears that Mike Rizzo is worried about his team at the big league level. Um, he's trying to win now before the window closes and we'll kind of deal with the farm system later. Plus, the good news is that the farm system or those those top prospect rankings can change so quickly. I mean, after playing a few games, Cavalli could be on the list. Um, so it, you can't put too much stock into it. But it is important when it comes time to make trades. You know, you want guys that are ranked um, ranked high across baseball when it comes time to make trades. And also make trades and get guys back, get prospects back um, into your farm system. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um but you do want to see somebody on that list. Um, and you do want to see somebody on that list, especially when it comes time, if you're thinking about making trades, Bobby. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you want other, you want to be able to showcase your talents, right? You want other teams to real recognize the talent you have in your system, whether it's for trade or just, you know, you know, if Kay Cavalli becomes a really good pitcher or is on the track to become a really good starting pitcher, right? That shows that the nationals are good at developing pitchers that increases the value of the other pitchers in the system. So it's not just for an, in, on an individual basis. So it's all for the entire group of, of players on that system. And, and you want to be able to showcase your ability to not only draft, but also develop and create major leaguers, um, you know, from the college or high school ranks and, uh, have them progress through the minor ranks, but yeah, I, I also looking back at the 2020 season. I mean, a lot of these. I mean, I don't. I didn't do a deep dive into these rankings. Um, uh, else, like in terms of how they changed from the end of 2020 to now the first ranking in 2021. But I would have to figure that a lot of those guys were previously ranked uh, from last year, right? Or and were not much movement. Maybe a, maybe a couple of shifts here and there. One bumped down, one bumped up, or whatever. But like, it can't be that much different than what we saw at the end of this last calendar year, right? So, you know, with the lack of a minor league season this, in this past year, um, very limited scouting, if any, at the alternative training sites and guys not actually pitching in real time games. I, I, I think that you know this isn't 
a cause for concern. And I get, I, I mean, right. it is maybe for us to talk about and be like, hey, where are the prospects? Where is the future of this roster? Especially when you're signing 37-year-olds to be your fourth starter. Especially when Max Scherzer is entering the last year of his contract. Especially when Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin are on the other side of 30. And, you know, they've got long-term deals. How long, much longer did are they uh, going to be viable and consistent um, so yeah, it's, it's fair for us to bring it up and, and, and ask questions and, and wonder and kind of break it down. But I would guess at the front office level, Mike Rizzo, his scouting department, they're not too mm-hmm. concerned with what other people think of their farm system, right? They are understanding of what they want and, and what they have. And, and, and you mentioned trades. Look, they just traded their number three overall prospect in Will Crow to the Pirates to get uh, Josh Bell, along with their, I think, number six overall prospect. So, you know, I don't think other teams see that and be like, oh, the Nationals are ranked 30th. Oh, oh, they don't have a hundred, a top 100 prospect. Let's just kind of avoid them and, and not make any deals. No, no, no. I think Mike Rizzo has a track record. You know, every every system has its up and down years. You know, sometimes you have to graduate prospects. Sometimes you have to move them. Uh, but yeah, I would think Mike Rizzo is not too concerned about uh, Baseball America's rankings or MLBPipeline.com's mm-hmm. rankings at, at the moment. Exactly. And if they weren't, they didn't just win the World Series in 2019, right. it might be a completely different conversation, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But on that note, what Mike Rizzo has done very well uh, and, and continues to do well is drafting in the international signing period. And that, of course, kicked off on Friday morning, um, what is usually J2, July 2nd. That starts that period. Um, And and like you mentioned, that's probably a bigger deal for other franchises like the one in Baltimore, maybe Seattle, uh, maybe Miami, uh, teams that are kind of Detroit. Teams are kind of going through their rebuilding process. But the Nationals have done very good in terms of drafting, or not drafting, signing in the international uh, signing period. Look at Juan Soto, Victor Robles, and Luis Garcia, three names right off the bat that came through that process and are now looking to be major contributors at the major league level. One, possibly an MVP candidate. And and the Nationals did a fair job. I'm I'm, going to pull up a graphic right now. They signed 10 international uh, free agents. If you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, this graphic is courtesy of the Nationals. Um, They were able to break it down into, it was reported as 11. Um, uh, Catcher Edward De La Cruz from the uh, Dominican Republic was supposed to be signed for $10,000. The Nationals did not assign that one, but they did get 10, uh, including uh, number five prospect and uh, 16-year-old shortstop Armando Cruz for a record $3.9 million out of the Dominican Republic, a record for the Nationals. That is, that's the highest signing they've ever given an international uh, player. Assistant GM in charge of international operations, Johnny DePuglia, who we've had on the podcast before, quoting uh, with Ma- uh, MassInSports.com's Byron Kerr, saying, if Cruz pans out, he's going to be a really good major league player. He reminds me a lot of Jose Iglesias, which, of course, we know has been a, a, a solid, you know, all-star level caliber shortstop in the league uh, for a long time. Um, and, and breaking it down even further, the Nationals were able to get a handful of pitchers, handful of outfielders. They didn't get that catcher, but a couple of shortstop as well. And Amy, that kind of plays into Mike Rizzo's other strategy in terms of building the the farm is straight up the middle. You know, you know, they didn't get the catcher, but pitchers, middle infielders, center fielders, and go into the outfielder. Um, he was able to do that on Friday. 
yeah, that international signings are a great way to to boost and um, improve your farm system, just like we were just talking about. Um, it was kind of a breath of fresh air um, to hear about Armando Cruz being such um, a, a stud at shortstop, being such a good defensive player, because we've talked about it on this podcast for the past two weeks. We're kind of say, oh, do we give up the defense a little bit for a really good bat? This was kind of a breath of fresh air. Granted, he's 16 years old. He's a baby. You never know how all these guys are going to pan out, but it's exciting nonetheless. And it's also exciting to see the Nationals active um, on the international market. We know they struggled years ago before Mike Rizzo um, became the GM in the international market, had some complications. It's good to see them back active and making um, successful and being in the news um, in the international uh, market, Bobby. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that didn't very well. Um, if you missed it, catch Mark Zuckerman's kind of uh, recap of the Nationals' history in the international market. It wasn't what it was is today. They went through some rough patches, of course, a pretty major scandal uh, back in the mid-2000s, but have since bounced back under Mike Rizzo's tutelage um, and, and joined Puglio's scouting department down there in Latin America. And in another name to keep an eye on that DePuiglia mentioned in that article with Mark, uh, excuse me, with Byron Kerr on MassInSports.com is a right-handed pitcher uh, in the name of Gustavo Rivas from the from Venezuela. Gustavo, what a what a great name! Um, Four hundred fifty thousand dollars signing bonus for the right-hander. He's got a really really quick arm, according to DePuiglia. He said he says he sees him throwing ninety-five miles per hour plus down the road, making him uh, a great starting candidate. Has the power. Uh, of the makings of a power slider, rather, I should say. A really athletic kid, really like the arm. It's one of the quickest arms we've ever signed. Um, that says a lot, too, because they've done a really good job of maybe not just the international market, but also uh, out of college scouting and high school scouting of signing strong pitchers and pitching arms. So that's a, a, another name to keep an eye on. Again, like you mentioned, these guys are babies, right? They're teenagers. If and when we see them, Juan Soto is an exception, of course, seeing him at, at 19 years old. But if and when we see them, it's not going to be for a handful of years down the line. But it is important to get these guys signed uh, into the Dominican uh, Nationals, Dominican Summer League Academy, um, and, and working with uh, the system and keep an eye on them and their growth. And hopefully, as as time goes on, they have val- they continue to grow expand their roles, expand their skills sets, and become assets in the farm system, and then hopefully maybe even ideally the major league level. So another good round of, of, of signings for the Nationals on the international market, 10 in total, including the number five overall international prospect, Armando Cruz, who is a shortstop. All right, Amy, last, uh, did you have did something to add there? I was just going to say that really, I mean, I think that speaks to their international scouting department mm-hmm. because it's not as cut and dry as, you know, going into the draft, you know, these 10 guys are likely to go early in the first round or, you know, you know that it's not as cut and dry. Um, they go out and they find this talent in Armando Cruz tying for the highest signing bonus that the Nationals have given to Latin American prospects speaks, speaks to the talent that they see in him and they go out and they find this talent um, and it's not as cut and dry. It's a little bit more difficult. So they've, they've really done a good job. I just wanted to throw that in. That's a good throw. I like that. Yeah, no, they deserve all the credit in the world. And it's something that um, I think teams need to do better at. You know, we've, we've seen other teams like not be as active on the international market. And you look at the young stars in the game right now. A lot of them come from that market. Uh, Acuna Jr., Soto, Robles. Uh, those are just a handful of names. You know, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. You know, it's there's mm-hmm. a 
a lot of talent down there um, in Latin America that need to be tapped in. And those teams that do and are able to sign these guys uh, seem to have good success down the line and in the future with some of these guys. All right, Amy, I was going to switch to uh, a quick or to wrap up of the podcast on our final topic, but I'm checking our Facebook uh, Mass and Nationals feed. A lot of people asking about what's the next move for the Nationals. We've got Jeff Lubin uh, begging us to talk about JT Real Muto <laughs> and what the, uh, the possibility of the Nationals signing him. Look, they do need a catcher, right? They need another catcher to pair with. Jan Gomes back there. John Lester is no good if he doesn't have a good catcher behind him calling the game and making the plays that he needs to behind the plate. Uh, but with this signing, you know, I think it just goes to show that the Nationals' focus has shifted from the major market. This, this, they've made their major moves, right? Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber have been their major signings and acquisitions this offseason. Now John Lester. I think we're going to see only minor moves from here on out. I don't anticipate them going after a George Springer, a JT Romuto, a Michael Brantley. Uh, those hot names are trading for Chris Bryant, even though they are the Washington Cub- Cubbies now. Uh, I, I don't foresee them making any more moves, uh, big splashes at least, uh, from now until the start of the season. I think it's going to be a lot of minor moves piecing together this roster before spring training. Yeah, I agree with you, Bobby, there. It seems most likely that JT Romuto is probably going to return to Philly, but who knows at this point? I don't think that na- the Nationals are necessarily completely out of the picture. Uh, it just doesn't seem likely spending that much money on a catcher, especially when they've made these other moves, signing Josh Bell, signing Kyle Schwarber, si- pretty much saying that they're completely out on Chris Bryant. And then now John Lester doesn't seem that they're going to make a big splash. And I don't imagine that they would spend that much money, especially on a catcher. That's obviously a position that they need to fill. Um, And I imagine that's going to come within obviously the next few weeks because it's going to have to. Um, But I don't think it would be a big name, like the the best catcher on the market, which is JT Realmuto. Yeah. And I think, I mean, our viewers are making a solid point. I mean, it's like, for the most part, these have been kind of smaller deals, but I think that's kind of the idea, right? I don't think the Nationals, there was a small chance. I don't think it was a very high Jeff, chance. Right, and Jeff makes a good point because you, you look, you can look at it that way. They've signed all of these smaller contracts. Maybe they're positioning themselves, just like you said, Jeff, to make one major signing, and we kind of talked about that. Maybe if they filled these other positions on short-term, not costly deals, maybe they could make a trade um, for Chris Bryan or something like that, or maybe um, sign JT Realmuto. It's very possible, but it could also be – it that they're setting themselves up for that, but it could be also be the opposite end of the spectrum. They're going to fill all of these spots um, with cheaper guys and, um, you know, hope they can win now to short-term deals and hope they can win now instead of paying a guy a lot of money long-term when their window's closing. And then does it really matter? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I was on the, uh, JT Ramuto train from day one. I think when we did our kind of off-season preview episode, Amy, he was my number one, and I understood that that was an unrealistic option, but my argument was he's going to be the best player out there. Why wouldn't you at least try to go sign the best player out there? He's in a position of need. He also takes away from a division rival that you play 19 times a season, a team that <clears throat> seemingly is desperate to make the playoffs again, um, now also competing with the Mets and Braves. Uh, we mentioned the Marlins too. I mean, the, the NL East is going to be a very tough division, especially if J.T. Ramuto stays in it, no matter who he plays for. If he's in the division, it's going to be a tough out uh, for that team, and that only, he only makes that team better. I just think right now we've already seen the kind of big splashes. Josh Bell, they gave up. We just mentioned two top ten prospects for him. Uh, they and, su- signed five 
committing $5 million uh, to John Lester, $10 million for Kyle Schwarber. Yes, there are smaller amount of deals, but when you add it all up, I, I think that kind of equates to one big deal that I don't think they're going to make. Mm-hmm. And ju- it, I agree, Bobby. You make a really good point that you're taking him away from a division competitor. That's really important. Um, and Jeff's saying, if you spend all this money and making other moves without a catcher, does it really matter? You could have the best rotation in baseball, but if you have a guy behind the plate that can't catch the ball, and we saw that kind of with Kurt Suzuki. I mean, obviously the rotation didn't pan out, but he made a lot of defensive mistakes, and that can be really costly, especially in close division games. And it also gives you another bat, which is really important. Um, so that's a really good point, Jeff. I just don't know if the money's there, and I just don't know if they're willing to spend it on a catcher if it is. Yep. Um, and we're having someone also comment, uh, Tristam Coffin. I think people are looking at this the wrong way. I am elated to see these shrewd signings. It signals to me that they are committed to positioning themselves to be in position to re-sign Soto and Trey. Another fantastic point. Look, you can't commit all this money to guys who are going to be here right now. I mean, look. Mike Rizzo, we just talked about, foresees this roster to be competitive this year. He's going for it in 2021. But you can't commit yourself to JT Realmuto or Chris Bryan the long term without having to possibly give up the guys you already have in-house in Juan Soto and Trey Turner. If you're going to re-sign those guys to long-term deals, you're going to need some money on the table. I think that's a, that's a really good way to look at it. It's like, look... They're, position, they're positioning themselves to still be competitive in 2021, but also saving money in the bank for the long term and, uh, and hoping making uh, offers and signing uh, Juan Soto and Trey Turner to lifetime-esque uh, <clears throat> contracts. And I've always said the Nationals have the money. Why not spend it? Yeah. But if you're really, you know, really thinking about it and you really want to be realistic, these these short term temporary deals fill the holes you have with some talent. It's not like the guys they've signed are something to throw away. They're talented guys and they're filling their holes. Um, but it just doesn't make sense to pay somebody a whole lot the position that they're in right now, even though it's like they have the money, spend it, do what you can, make a splash. Um, it, it, you kind of have to play both both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I, I think my biggest now takeaway, just kind of wrap this up real quick before we move on to our final topic and get out of here, is, is just like this is a great conversation to have, right? You mentioned other team, other markets, you know, our, our – our, our cousin, sister podcast, whatever you want to call it, on the other side of the Orioles, they're talking about the Orioles, you know, their international signings, what this team's going to look like in two or three years. We're talking about what this team's going to look like this year um, and fans wanting to see them go for it in 2021, win another championship, win two out of three, win four at, in, in six years, whatever it may be. Uh, and so we're looking at a competitive team now. I think that's a good conversation to be having. And also you, it signifies from the front office, from the team itself that, you know, we're not forsaking our future for the present or vice versa we're going to be competitive now we're going to be competitive in three years we're going to be competitive in five years that's mike rizzo's motto he's always had those uh one three and five year plans uh and and that's the way they go about it and look they have been you know 2020 aside they've been in the mix every single year since 2012 uh and they're going to continue to do so so uh, i think it's a fun conversation to have and a good point made by both fans and the front office that look you know we can nitpick all day long but at the end of the day the nationals should be a competitive team they should be in the mix this season Mm -hmm. Um, and, and for a couple of years to come, despite what happens next offseason or the following offseason, stuff like that. So and, it's, it's been right. fun. It's, it's a fun way to approach a team and engages a fan base. 
And just because they're not making huge trades and signing a ton of big name guys doesn't mean they're not trying to be competitive or be competitive for for a long term. You never know right. how it's going to shake up, shake out. They're going to sign a guy longer term if he has a successful bounce back year. We just don't know how it's going to shake out. I'm glad I'm not Mike Rizzo because I would not want to be in charge of making these decisions, Bobby. Yeah, if Mike Rizzo was seeing our comment section right now, he would be kind of scratching his head and be like, "Wow, I got a lot of work to do. These guys want a lot more uh, than just what I've done so far," which is pretty significant and in a pretty slow market offseason we've seen the nationals make a handful of moves so far we don't expect the john lester deal to become official for a couple more days because of a physical but this is going to be a three official moves that they've made and it's still middle of january and not to mention there's not a whole i'm not going to say there's not talent on the market but there's not a lot of big names on the the free agent market right now so the talent that they have signed is nothing to laugh at given what what's available if you're looking at the rest of the sport i mean this is off the top of my head, so feel free to nitpick me and correct me if I'm wrong. But if I'm thinking of the most active teams this market, it's number one Padres, number two Mets, number three Nationals. It has to be, right, in terms of just the amount mm-hmm. of moves they're making, uh, not just long-term but short-term uh, for this upcoming season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, I, mean, that, I would agree with you. Yeah, yep. that's, that's, a fun, that's a fun fan base, fun team to root for. You know, in a stalemate market, you're going after it. You're trying to improve the roster. You're trying to win now. Uh, it, it's a fun time to be a Nationals fan, even two years removed from a World Well, not even a year and a half, I guess, mm-hmm. removed from a World Series championship run that you're right. now gearing up for another one. So that's how you build. I mean, this team is the one of the youngest teams in baseball. Uh, you know, they're going to be entering, what, their 16th season in the majors. So, you know, yep. that's how you build and generate and grow a fan base that was missing baseball for so long. Um, all right, Amy, last a uh, little note to uh, discuss before we get out of here. Um, we talked about arbitration on um, our last episode, previewing the deadline, heading into Friday. I just want to quickly run through the final numbers because since Juan Soto and uh, Trey Turner were just brought up, just real quick, Josh Bell and the Nats agreed to a $6.35 million deal for this year. Um, Trey Turner and the Nationals agree on a $13 million contract and Juan Soto and the Nationals uh, ink a $8.5 million deal for this upcoming season. Those all, except for Soto, Soto hit the boom, I think, but Trey Turner and Josh Bell kind of hit the median range of where they were expected to land in terms of a contract, the numbers we ran through last season. So good for those guys, good for the Nationals and committing $8.5 million to Juan Soto. We just talked about the possibility of signing him long-term. That could kind of play into factor like hey we're willing to give you the max that you probably deserve right now um and and hope that you remember that down the line when we try to extend you again exactly that's a lot of money bobby and just before we head out the last news suzuki signing with the angels one year one and a half million dollar deal and defoe agreeing to a minor league contract with the pirates that'll include an invitation to the big league camp hoping he can fight for a spot on the roster and that pretty much solidifies our conversation we knew it was coming that they need another catcher probably a number one catcher and Young Gums will shake out into that that backup role, but we'll see how that plays out. And I'm sure we'll keep having this debate for the weeks to come, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's been fun. It's going to be fun. We are less than a month away from supposedly pitchers and catchers reporting to West Palm Beach. So like we said, we're, we're expecting a couple more minor moves to be made throughout uh, these next couple of weeks and maybe even through spring training if we get underway on time. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and being a part of the conversation. Look, we just had a whole nother topic come up 
live right. on air thanks to the comments on our Facebook page and our YouTube account. So we really appreciate you guys tuning in, being a part of the podcast, being a part of the conversation. It, it's, it makes our job a lot more fun, a lot easier uh, to go through these episodes. Uh, at Amy Jennings News for Amy uh, on Twitter, be sure to give her a follow. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. And of course, give Mass and Nationals a follow across the board as well. And subscribe to the Mass and All Access podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Those are where you're going to find your podcasts. Uh, where Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. For Amy, I'm Bobby. Amy, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you next week. Of course. See you, Bobby. All right. That's going to do it. Again, thanks, everyone, for tuning in um, and joining along and, and, and bearing with me as I try to produce the show live uh, from my home studio. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Enjoy the week. Stay safe. Stay healthy out there. Um, it's difficult times, but, you know, we can get through this together, and we hope that you are being well wherever you are. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.